It is a pet chat. Greg Richard here with you this Wednesday afternoon. I'm joined by David Tabbert and Julie Tolliday. How are you both? G'day, Greg. Pretty well, thanks. Good to That's see you. That's very good. Good for a Wednesday? Pretty good, even though it's wet. Yeah, not too bad. Oh. Well, it's halfway through the week. Yeah, dogs could, don't like the wet. They could get be, their bottoms wet. Could be a little warmer for me. But anyway, that's just because I'm a queen. That's true. My dog doesn't go outside when it rains. No. <laughs> Is it fluffy? No, it's quite short-haired. It just doesn't go outside. Yeah, Isn't little it? fluffies, they hate the wet grass. Greg looks like a fluffy dog owner. Do you think so? I think, yeah, I think, no. a, I think a fluffy dog would suit you well. Really? Yeah. A, a big fluffy dog? We don't want to... Don't want to <laughs> if your dog's listening at home, we're not, that's true, we're not yeah. replacing... We'll be replacing very upset it, when I get home. <laughs> So what are we talking about today, guys? Well, I'm going to um, remind us all about uh, the need to look after our teeth. Sorry, after our dog's teeth. Oh. Yeah, so it's um, always a good time to think about those preventative care measures. And I'm going to talk to da- uh, sorry, Jason Humphreys, who is the CEO of the Dog Lovers Show, which will be on in Sydney in August. So we're going to find out what's going to be happening at that Dog Lovers Show. And I've got a topic to talk about doggy daycare the do's and don'ts. And we do have Jason Humphreys on the line. We're talking about the Dog Lover Show, are we, Julie? We are indeed. Hey, Jason, how are you? Hi, guys. I'm very well. Yourself? Very good, very good. Yeah, hi, Jason. Thanks for talking to us today. I thought people might be interested in something that a lot of people haven't heard about, which is the Dog Lover Show. Now, it's been going for a couple of years, hasn't it? Yeah, look, the Dog Lover Show had its first event in Sydney last year, oh. and uh, it was a great success. We had over 13,000 very passionate dog lovers uh, turn up to the Royal Hall of Industries in Horton Pavilion in, uh, in Moore Park, and we're getting ready for our second show, which is in about eight weeks' time at uh, the same venue. Yes. Uh, it's going to be a great event. And so, who's it for? Who, who do you think you would be, you know, um, encouraging to come along? Well, Julie, it's heaven for dog lovers. So whether you own a dog or whether you're looking to buy a dog, or even if you just love dogs generally, you're going to have a great day out. It's a, it's it's all about a celebration of the love we share with our uh, canine friends. Um, it's really nothing like a best in show or a sort of a broad-based pet expo. It's a, more of a festival of all things pooch. So and it's a lot of fun. There's education, there's entertainment, and there's information uh, for all sorts of dog lovers. So uh, it's a great day out. So what can you outline some of the visitor attractions that people are going to see there? There's around 12 interactive features at the show. Um, probably one of the biggest attractions there is the Rosehip Vital Main Arena, right. where that's all about showcasing some of the most talented dogs in Australia. So there's agility demonstrations, there's Frisbee dogs, uh, Dr. Katrina and the Wonder Dogs are going to be there. They're always incredibly popular. Right. There's Flyball. Um, it's an amazing uh, demonstration. It's back-to-back shows in there. Uh, what else? We've got the Royal Cannon Breed Showcase, where we've got around 30 Dogs New South Wales breed clubs exhibiting and you can go and actually meet, pat and connect with around 35 breeds from puppy to adult. Uh, what else? The Kong Celebrity Vet Stage. All the leading celebrity vets are there. You've got the Village Vets from the Foxtel Channel. Uh, Lisa Chimes is going to be there. Um, Katrina's on stage as well. There's a rescue zone, there's a pat a pooch, perfect match, free face painting, free fet grooming and training advice. The list goes on. It's all on the website. It's too much to say in one radio interview, I think. Yeah, that's ab- absolutely true. Now, I went to the Sydney one last year, and I will say that I wished I had more hours to be there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there was definitely plenty to see. What about products and things? Like, what, what sort of products are, are people going to be wowing about? 
Yeah, the exhibition is, is a major part of the show. There's about 150 companies presenting all the latest and greatest doggy products and services. Um, everything from collars and leads to dog food to pet insurance, um, doggy daycare. It's quite amazing how big the uh, the dog sector has grown in the last five to ten years. So if you're looking for anything to spoil your pooch, uh, this is the place to get down. And there's, a, there's even a new product zone this year for the first time. So companies that are launching some of the new stuff that you've never seen before will be there. And most of the exhibitors are offering show specials and new products and there's, visitors always walk away with... Uh, bags jam-packed full of free samples as well, so it's very good value. Oh, free stuff. I love free stuff. <laughs> so do I. So now I've got written down here that there's going to be a tribute to military working dogs. What's that going to involve? Well, given the fact that it's the 100-year anniversary of World War One, we thought it was timely to acknowledge the amazing contribution that dogs have made in war over the last 100 years. So we presented this in Melbourne and it was incredibly popular. Um, it's a whole lot of information about what dogs have done in war for Australian, the Australian Defence Force. So there's seminars each day by Nigel Orsop, who is the president, president of the Australian War Animal Organisation. Um, and there's huge information boards on all the wars that the dogs have actually fought in with us side by side. Um, information on all of the most decorated war dogs over the time. Uh, it's a it's a beautiful demonstration. So um, if anyone has any interest in war dogs, this is uh, this will be something they'll love. Well, it sounds like there's something there for absolutely everyone. Now, um, so where can people go to, I suppose, read a little bit more and to find out about tickets? Jump on the website. The the address is dogloversshow.com.au or just Google Dog Lovers Show, um, and everything is is on the website on the show that. We'd, we recommend your listeners to, to buy tickets in advance if you're keen to go. Uh, we do get a bit of queues at the door. We've got a VIP lane. You can go straight through if you buy your tickets online in advance. Great. And you'll also save 20% off the door price, so it's a big saving as well. Well, I know that we pre-purchased last year, and that was good. And then you had a little offer today. If people wanted to send you an email, if they wanted to jump on really quickly, you've got five tickets if they use an email address. Yes, we've got five free tickets to give away. So the first people that email us at the address is info at eventmi, which is E-V-E-N-T-M for Mary I for Igloo, info at, at eventmi.com.au. First five emails will get a free ticket worth 25 bucks. Oh, okay, fantastic. All right, so I'm sure that'll get people motivated, but if they go and look at the website, there's good stuff to read there too. Worth a trip yeah. to Sydney. Fantastic. Thanks, okay. Julie. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for talking to us. Good on you. Have a good okay. day. You too. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Now, David, earlier you were mentioning something about teeth. Greg, I got a card in the mail. I love getting cards in the mail, but it was a reminder from my dentist. And so it reminded me to talk about dental care for your pets. So just like us, dogs and cats, they do require uh, dental care, and it's a very important part of our preventative care program overall. Now, there's a lot of, um, I guess, myths or misunderstandings around dental care, so I thought we might just quickly touch on a couple of areas. One is that uh, we do need to look after pets' teeth, okay? Now, the idea that, well, you know, dogs in the wild don't have this and, you know, they seem to do all right. Well, actually, they don't. There's really good evidence that dogs in the wild uh, do suffer from dental disease, and we know that the consequences of dental disease can lead to all sorts of things, not just tooth loss and problems in the mouth, but also things like heart disease, uh, kidney disease, 
and um, a whole range of problems related to this ingrowth of infection that comes from uh, un- having unhealthy teeth. I guess that's the other side of the topic too, is that, well, you know, do we really need to do anything if we just feed our dogs a raw, meaty bones diet? And again, we go back and look at the evidence. And dogs in the wild, uh, both um, current studies and historical, show that dogs that are on a totally wild raw meat diet still suffer dental disease. So, sure, there may be some advantages that people can point to with uh, if you're feeding your dog this way at home, but unfortunately it doesn't get you out of the problem of looking after their teeth overall. So it's a regular part of our checkup, and most of the time when people are going to the vets for an annual checkup, be it for vaccinations or just for a regular checkup, they're going to have the teeth assessed. And it's a very simple thing uh, to ask the veterinarian or the veterinary nurse to say, can we have a look at their teeth? They'll usually be doing that anyway, and we always refer to it as flip the lip. So just basically reminding ourselves that we need to just lift that lip up and have a look. And what we're looking for is just a red line on the gum. If there's a red line on the gum, that tells us that we've got gum disease, gingivitis, and that can lead to things like periodontitis. So that's actually uh, infection in the tooth socket and ultimately tooth loss and sometimes even bone infection or osteomyelitis. They're the most serious consequences. But if you get the vet to have a look, flip the lip, if we can detect it at the early stage when all we're seeing is a red line and we can treat it at that stage, then we're going to be able to um, uh, go to the next stage and, and treat that and then prevent it. Very good. Now, we do have a caller on the line. It is Warren from Maitland. How are you doing, Warren? How are you? Very I good. just had a question regarding feline vaccinations. Yes. Uh, the annual ones for enteritis and leukaemia and such. Can they have a, uh, a side effect for the animal? As far as um, for a couple of days being very lethargic and off their food and well, just not themselves? Yeah, that's a really good question, Warren, because a lot of people often ask us that after a visit to the vet, um, you know, their pet, they've had a vaccination or some treatment and then they go home and they're not quite themselves. Could it be... A, could it be a side effect from what's being injected into them? And we, we can't rule out that as a, as a cause. Certainly some animals, you know, there may be something in the preparation. And uh, less, it's probably less related to the virus itself that's being, or the viral particles, I should say. A lot of the vaccines are made from what we call modified live virus, so they're non-infectious, but they induce immunity, or they may be, uh, a killed virus, and so there's only particles of the virus that induces immunity. So the first thing is that um, they're unlikely to have a direct reaction to that, but a lot of these uh, products are actually prepared and injected, so they might be mixed with some sterile water or saline, and uh, sometimes there may be something in that process where uh, we have to be um, making sure that that's done in a sterile manner we have to make sure that we're injecting the patient in the right area. Uh, and then the other thing that really, I think, plays into this more is a lot of cats don't like to travel. They don't like to go into a stressful environment. So when they come home, they're going to be very reclusive, and it's almost like they're blaming you for taking them. So they'll stop eating and just go and hide. And I think in those cases, it's more a behavioural response and, and a way of them uh, dealing with the stress of the visit. And that's often what we see. So we do 
see reactions to vaccines. We do see, you know, we could just inject saline and see a similar response, or we could inject nothing, just bring the pet into the room and see a similar response. It's the difference between those things. I think if your pet has a fever or they're showing signs of vomiting or diarrhoea or other behaviour change, then it's probably worth going back and checking with your vet. And just the final thing, I guess, to mention is that when we do vaccinate a pet, we do a clinical examination to make sure they're healthy, but some infections and diseases can be hidden from us. And so it's only just that a number of days go past and then they start to get sick and you think, oh, well, it's because he had the vaccine. He may well have been going to get sick anyway. So I think if you have concerns there, speak with your veterinarian and certainly it's something to follow up if it you know, doesn't resolve in a couple of days. Uh, it, it, uh, it resolved in a couple of days and um, the biggest concern was a 16-year-old yeah, and I didn't know whether um, it was too much stress on him. Well, that was all. that's that's a really good question, but I think it's probably less about the vaccine and more about the visit and um, how he reacts to it. But it's certainly an area that I would discuss it with your veterinarian if you need to go in. I mean, 16 in and of itself is not a disease, but we do know the longer you hang around on the planet, the more likely you are to get health problems. And so you yeah, need, know. need to have that, <laughs> need to, all of us, of course. You need to have that discussion, uh, you know, so that you're not making repeated visits unnecessarily. But yeah. you don't want to ignore any problems when they come up. No. Yeah, we do have a caller. It is Gail. No, Robin on the line from Pelican. And you're asking about <laughs> flea killers. Hello, Robin. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, yep. yes, yes. Okay. Well, um, I was looking at the new Next Guard. It's a new um, mm-hmm. uh, flea and tick killer. Yes. And I've been talking to other people about it, and some say it's good for their dogs and say it hasn't been good. But I'm wondering if you have any feedback on it. Um, I went along to the launch of it locally, which yeah. was... Uh, gee, I better get that right. I think it was late last year. And um, it certainly shows a lot of promise, and everybody's uh, very excited about about a product that provides protection against two of the biggest sort of parasitic problems that we have in our region, which is, well, flea, contr- flea problems are, are pretty much universal. Uh, yeah. I think Antarctica, they don't have too many fleas, but I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised if they do. Um, but certainly ticks are always a problem as well. So, you know, people are, are happy to see a product where, um, just for those who aren't familiar, is that um, when, we're, when we're treating parasites we're often either using say a topical which we're putting on the skin uh, and and we have a range of products which we can give orally and then it's coming out in the skin and providing protection and so Nexgar gives us uh, that benefit of making a one-stop treatment uh, once a month that actually takes care of all of those problems and certainly the data looks very good personally I haven't used it um, and I haven't seen too many animals I just don't, from my experience, I haven't, because I work in a, solely in emergency, I don't work in oh, right. general yeah. practice. So, um, you know, we haven't actually had any patients come in. We haven't really gone through a, a full tick season, which is one of the tests I would yeah. use. Um, right. My experience is that, um, and I've said this to people for many, many years, is that uh, I've seen patients come in with tick poisoning who are, on a tick preventative that is being used appropriately. So nothing was 100%. 
And I would be cautious about saying, oh, this is going to be 100%, and I don't think the manufacturers are saying that either. We still recommend uh, daily tick searching for your pet if you're in a tick-affected area, um, which is pretty much um, around the coast here. So, yeah, yeah a good product to use, but uh, okay. just, just be aware that... Um, you still need to be looking for tick po- ticks as a you know cause of problems, yes. obviously. Yep. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Jeez, right. Thanks very much for that. And now we do have another question. It is from so that was Robin, but we have Anne on the line now, and she is talking about the pet show in Sydney. Hi, Anne. It's Julie here. What would you like to know if I can help you? Um, yes, I can't get. To, I'd love to go to the pet show oh. in Sydney, but I can't travel that far. Do they have any around Newcastle or the Hunter Valley areas? Not like this style of show, which is a shame. Maybe I should get onto Jason's back now and say expand it and get one up here in Newcastle. Because my husband could take me to Newcastle, but neither of us could travel to Mm. Sydney. Do you take your dog to that or do you just go and look and see what they've got to buy for your little one? I'm trying to remember last year. I don't think I remember people walking around with their dogs on leads within the the public area unless their dogs were going to participate in something. I'm fairly sure that that was the way that it was. Oh, ours is only a pet. Yeah, so if you... Um, but there are dog shows on it um, at Newcastle, um, at Hillsborough Road at Warners Bay, and you can go along there and have your dog on a lead and watch the other dogs running around the ring. And, in fact, there's a... Not this weekend, but the next, there's a, an agility... Oh, no, that's the Central Coast. But there's an all-breeds champion show um, on June 26, 27, 28, if you just wanted to go and look at the other dogs being shown. You know, I'm more to... That too, but more to go and see what things that they've got mm. that you can buy for yours. Yeah, and, and, and after, like a pet expo type yes, thing. Yes, it would be yeah. lovely. I, yeah. I do remember there was one... Uh, gee, it'd be about 15 to 20 years ago, probably about 15, 16 years ago, there was a pet expo at the, uh, at the race course in Newcastle. And I've never seen one since. So, uh, oh, there was one at the entertainment centre as well. There was, because Danny yes. was involved in that. I so maybe that. we'll get on his back when he comes back. Get Danny to put one on. Yeah, I reckon. Oh, okay. I'll be interested in that. <laughs> yeah, I think, right. I think a lot of people would be, Anne, in your circumstance where, you know, getting to Sydney is probably a bit beyond them, but uh, it's it's always a, a t- an area of an event that attracts a lot of attention. So I think there's... Um, uh, Julie was just showing me elements on the uh, website, though. There's a lot of information there, and you'd probably be able to get a, a spectrum of, you know, what sort of products are available because they're all in one place. So if you get an opportunity, have a look on the, their website as well. Cheers, thanks very much for that. And our pet of the week, we've got ourselves a female husky, have we? Well, husky cross, yes, but definitely when you look at her eyes, you can see that she's a husky because she's got those ice blue eyes that you either think are gorgeous or you think, oh, that's a bit spooky. <laughs> or haunted. Yeah, or haunted maybe. <laughs> um, they're, they're describing her as a head-turning four-year-old female husky cross uh, with eyes so bright they almost glow. 
They say that she loves lots of attention and from her human companions. And right through this description, they're saying that she wants to be with her humans. Uh, best if you have uh, six-foot fences. Um, I'll leave that up to your interpretation. Uh, but certainly they are saying to, if, and the same with any escaping dogs, if you build the relationship with your dog that they know that your place is home base, they don't want to get out and over the fence anyway. Um, they are suggesting that she does very well when you bring her inside and include her as part of the family, and I would definitely recommend that as well. Better to sleep inside. I agree with that one too. That dogs like to be part of, whether you want to be a pack or a social group, they want to be part of that. Uh, they're saying that she's a very sweet girl and would make uh, a good family pet for uh, any family if the children are over 10. Uh, so I'd say probably just the body language of little kids sometimes gets dogs off mm. balance because they can't read what the children are doing with their arms and legs and they're squealing. Uh, they, these people are suggesting that she needs a, um, she would like a doggy friend to play with. So you'd need to check out temperaments there of who you were talking about. How big do huskies get? Are they quite, quite large or? Yeah, they're not as big as malamutes, but, um, in the sort of 30 to 40 kilos. Oh, okay, I so. might be a little. Maybe that's a little heavy for some of them. They look. They look a lot bigger because of all the hair. Yeah. Lots of fluff. Yeah. She <laughs> definitely looks like Back she's to the fluffiness again. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the, yeah. She looks crossed, maybe even with a staffy or some sort of mastiffy dog um, in the picture. Um, she. Oh, for information, it's Anita. You need to talk to. The adoption fee is three hundred dollars, and I, the dog comes completely desexed, wormed. All of, all of the vaccinations. Vaccinated, Everything. So, and, and registered. Yes. So Fantastic. everything's done for you. So you've got this family pet to bring into home. And Nita is your contact person on 0400-107-603. Or you can ring the station here if you need that information again. No worries. Now, we do have Richard on the line. He's got some info about for Ed from before. How are you doing, Richard? Yes, good afternoon. Um, with regard to that uh, dog show in Sydney... Now, I'm going to read from their website, uh, quote, we love all dogs, but as this is an indoor event, unfortunately, we are unable to allow visitors to bring their dogs into the show. Ah, very good. Thank you. I had the inkling now, that that was going to be it. Yeah. Now, there is a, I suppose you could call it something similar, coming up in August, you've got the pooch picnic up in uh, Pepper Tree. Now do, you, now, do you know what, Richard? That's my next week's interview. You've just stolen my thunder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was there last year with uh, my uh, my dog and a, a whole group of others. Look, I've got two Cavalier King Charles. Right. And, uh, oh, we had a ball up there. Fantastic. So you've you've actually done a little bit of sort of laying the, the bait for them. And next week when I interview the organisers, we'll be able to get that going. And maybe Anne can go from Curry up to the Hunter Valley. Yeah, um, from Curry, it's only virtually around the corner. That's right. She might like a couple of wines if she's got a designated driver. Take her dog and she'll be set. Yeah. No, apparently uh, they do have wine tasting there. Look, I'm not a wine drinker myself, but uh, they do have wine tasting. There you uh, go. Last year they had a lot of uh, exhibits and um, the, one of the vets, Karen, I think it was. Was it Karen? Uh, so Anyway... Yeah, so it sounds like Anne's going to have uh, the the access to 
this event, uh, as you said, Richard, it's not far away, and, and it'll probably yeah. provide all the answers she's looking for about um, products and, and gifts and toys for her little one as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's got fantastic. got a few stalls there. Take a dog. They're more than welcome. There well, go. thanks, Richard. You've Cheers. jogged my memory. Thanks Thank very you. much for that, Richard. <laughs> And just remind about that email address before, Julie. What was it again? Yes, the email address, if you'd like to try to get a free ticket to the Dog Lovers Show in Sydney, it's info at event, E-V-E-N-T, and then put the letters M-I on the end, .com.au. So there's still a couple of tickets left, I think. So, um, yeah, jump in because it's a great event. Now, I've got a little topic here that's a bit uh, dear to my heart, and it's about doggy daycare. Uh, a lot of people are finding that it's a great idea or they're feeling it's a great idea to give their dog a day being minded uh, at a facility where they can play with other dogs and really get into the, the groove of things there. And the people come home and they find their dogs have had a great energetic day out and they're feeling like they've done a good service to their dogs. But there's some interesting stuff you need to weigh up before you throw your dog into a daycare centre. One of my favourite authors, Patricia McConnell, says that primarily dogs only play between two individuals and on the periphery are the other dogs either trying to get into play or setting up their own little uh, play groups on the side. Now, we need to, there need to be rules in the play and the humans are the only ones who can set up the rule system because dogs aren't very good at setting up rules that we like to have in our uh, culture. So people need to know in the daycare centres how to structure and organise in a way that the animals understand and keeps them safe. Now, there's four things you need to think about if you're going to put your dog into daycare. You need to think about your dog, the staff at the daycare centre, the environment of the daycare centre, and what other dogs are going to be there. Now, I'll, I'll quickly go through each of those. Your dog... Um, there are some dogs that are not comfortable being in big groups. Some dogs are extroverts. They love going in and romping around with, you know, say 10 other dogs. Other dogs don't want to do it. Um, so a, a place that has 20 or 30 dogs out running in a field, probably you don't want to touch that. Uh, they, some people say, oh, after my dog's been at daycare, it's so tired. But there's a difference between being happily tired and being absolutely exhausted from being stressed all day with being harassed and niggled at by dogs that your dog never wanted to be near. The other biggie is the staff. The staff need to be highly educated. The staff ratio, my favourite author here says one person to 10 or 15 dogs. I think that's too many. One person to five or 10 dogs is what you need and you need the people to be well educated uh, on how to recognise if a dog's stressed, how to recognise inappropriate as, of, as, as opposed to appropriate play and how to be able to intervene if the dogs need to be redirected to other things. So if the staff aren't educated, um, I'd suggest you give it a miss. Um, I've got a couple of other points and I'm going to carry those on next week. No worries, Julie. Thanks for that. It's a good idea to have that daycare centre. It's great if it's running properly. There's a beautiful one near us. My dogs adore it and they come home very happily tired, not exhausted from being harassed. <laughs> very good. David and Julie, thank you very much for pet chat this afternoon. Thanks, Thanks Greg. Greg. Right, see you next time. Yeah, right. Definitely.